Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. All right, let's do it. It's hump day, folks. Afternoon rush hour ride home here. Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. I got all your content in one place, and there is a lot to get into. Oh, the Scottsdale Police Department sent me a police report filed by Jane Doe. Uh, Not against me, at least this one, Uh, but it's very fascinating. I'm going to share some clips from that. It's legal, it's public, and we're going to discuss it. Also, we've got Susie Evans on Courtney Robertson's After Reality podcast talking about how the show groomed her to become the next Bachelorette and why that storyline was used against her on the season. Very fascinating stuff. Also, Golden Bachelor Gary Turner has been smeared by The Hollywood Reporter. I have picked up my pitchfork, shined it to a nice tune, and I'm coming to the defense of young 73-year-old Gary Turner. It's a tragedy what's going on out there. We've got these stories and some other entertainment and pop culture news all coming up first but guess what reality steve good friend of the program spoiler king reality steve spoiled who wins uh joey season of the bachelor 2024 i tell you uh reality steve knows the winner before they even do fantasy suites he must be uh like a peeping tom he's hanging upside down off of a off of a gutter you know in you know in uh tulum trying to find out uh who uh you know he's 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 paying off uh, the uh, the cleaning lady there on the morning after Fantasy Suites <laughs> trying to find out who it is. Now, we don't know how he gets his spoilers. I'm not going to share his spoilers with you here. I'm not going to share who the winner is of, um, of uh, I wanted to say Ben. What's his name again? Who is it? Ben? Who? Joey. He looks like a Ben of Joey. He looks like uh, Courtney Robertson's ex-fiance, Ben. Maybe that's why. I'm not going to share with you who the uh, winner is of Joey's season of The Bachelor, but I did ask Reality Steve how much he enjoys getting the spoilers so early. Normally, the spoilers come in like week four, week five. The show doesn't air for just under two months, okay? So the show is so far away from airing that no one even cares who the winner is yet because nobody even knows anyone, right? We don't have any empathy for these characters out there. Either way, let's give Reality Steve the chance to take a victory lap on this one. If he's right, but he normally is, very high batting average, and here we are pimping for Steve. Here's what he had to say regarding coming up with the spoiler. He doesn't, I'm not going to share it with you. If you want the spoiler, You can go watch my YouTube video. It's up live. I uh, make plenty of warnings for those who don't want to be spoiled. You will not be spoiled right now. Here's what Steve had to say. Yeah, in terms of my spoilers, it's been a while since I've had this much this early. There's been times where I've had everything up to like final three or final four a couple weeks after the season ended. But to combine it with the ending... It's been, I mean, it's great for me because now I don't have anything to worry about during the season where I'm not going to get asked every single day, when are you going to know who Joey picked? Where's the spoiler? Which girl did he pick? Who's in the final two? Like, it, you know, the last couple seasons, I haven't had the winner till like mid-season. And that's all I get asked nonstop. And it's not like, oh, let me just throw this out there so I can 
not get asked that. I mean, this is what I was told. This is what I believe to be true. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I certainly think it's true. I don't see why I wouldn't, but you know, there's always a possibility. Um, you know, people are going to tell me in the next few weeks and months leading up to this, you're wrong. And it's this person, and it's this person. It's just like, okay, well, I hear that all the time and it ends up being the original person that I reported. So, um, but yeah, um, it's been a while since I've done this and it's good to have it all out there because now I don't, I just, like I said in my article today, just put my feet up, kick back and I don't have to worry about anything and I don't have to really look for anything else this season because every single thing that you need to know is out there. doesn't mean you shouldn't watch. I mean, we all knew what happened and before going in to see Titanic, we all knew what the movie was about. We all know what the ending was but you still went and watched. Um, so this just gives you a different way and a, to view the show a little bit differently, knowing what edits to look for, knowing who lasts long, stuff like that. So it should be fun. And as I've mentioned, my favorite type of Steve is the, uh, the scorched earth Steve who says, you know what? I'm just going to go hang out at Olive Garden until March and wait for my results to come in. So there he is. Now, in other stories, we've got Courtney Robertson from After Reality Podcast. As we know, she was voted the greatest villain of all time from the Bachelor community. Uh, she's quite pleasant. A mom-to-be actually due, I believe, a week or two before and or after. I'm not really sure when we're due this spring with her, I guess, third child, right? And she she asks great questions and discusses with Susie what it was like coming off of The Bachelor and also, uh, uh, you know, being considered for The Bachelorette lead. Well, we'll get to that story next. All right, let's jump right into it. Here's Susie Evans on Courtney Robertson's After Reality Podcast. Go check out the whole thing. It's a great interview. Here's a clip. To support Clayton beyond if we were together or not, but like as a friend and as a human being. So I'm like, you know what? I actually brought on a part of this. And and so did he. We both took actions that brought us to that point. So I think that it I did feel responsible to an extent for how things happened to him. Um that's a lot to take like, on, Susie. That's, yeah. It's <laughs> really interesting. I I've never heard that you say that before. And I mean, I would have to think at that point in time towards the end, the producers were your, were in your ear a little bit too, like mm-hmm. kind of like, well, how would you, you know, how do you feel about it? And kind of mm-hmm. sort of egging you on a little bit. I remember right before my fantasy suites, one of the top EPs came up to me and asked if I'd be interested in being the next bachelorette. And like little things like that really threw me off because I was like, wait, why would they, what do they know that I don't know? Like, totally. I don't. And of course, in the Clayton Eckert season of The Bachelor, we had Susie, if you remember correctly, uh, being accused of only being there because she was going to be groomed to be the next Bachelorette. Whereas what actually happened was they came up to Susie, as they do everybody, and say, hey, if this doesn't work out, would you like to be The Bachelorette? It's in part their way of planning for the next season, but also they're asking multiple people, they're sussing out their options, this and that. And sometimes they're going to use it against them and say, well, Clayton, I don't know she actually said she'd be the next bachelorette and then clayton goes next bachelorette i thought you were supposed to be my bride she says well she asked if it didn't work out you're kind of a thomas situation from katie's i don't know if you had anything like that where not necessarily being egged on but it's almost like kind of stirring you're already like at the end of it you're like oh my gosh i don't know my ass from my elbow i've haven't been with my family for like two months i'm cut off from the world Mm -hmm. and then i think it's just really easy to get in your feelings yeah Uh, 
and kind of lose sight of things. And it's, I'm proud of you for not, but did they ever kind of stir the pot um, as far as like fueling that emotion in you? Yeah, I think it's so funny because when I watch the season back now and you see people exploding or having these like major breakdowns and that's the storyline they're given. And I know watching back our season, it's so funny because I feel like of the three people of that went into the fantasy suites going into them, I was the most chill. Like I, I thought I was excited to be staying with the girls, which we didn't actually stay together, but it's oh, like, that's right. It was awkward though. That- All right. So yeah. And I can, I can back Susie here. She really is the most chill. She's like, why would I, why would I get upset if he chooses somebody else? That means he didn't love me. You know what I mean? So I can totally understand where she comes from. Go check out that full interview with Courtney Robertson and Susie Evans on Courtney's podcast after reality. Big fan of that show. I think Courtney, she's doing a great job, but I I think she actually has a really great potential for like lasting success in the podcasting world. She's quite funny. And she also sees the show from the villain edit perspective, which builds a ton of empathy. Plus she's got good audio. So all things trending in the right direction there for Courtney Robertson. Good to have her out here in the podcasting community. All right. Well, let's get to this story. I covered this in a 20 minute YouTube video. The Hollywood reporter released a smear campaign uh, written by Susan O'Malley and Barbara Lippert. I kind of think they do a pretty shitty job here. I'm going to be honest with you. That's my opinion. Um, The article's called The Golden Bachelor's Not-So-Golden Past. Secret Girlfriends, a juiced-up resume, and the selling of a septuagenarian stud. The secret history of America's senior sweetheart, Gary Turner. Now, this article is written... Uh, to be very fantastical. Is that a word, fantastical? This idea that he had a secret girlfriend. So on the show, he says, I know I've only kissed somebody since being uh, since uh, my wife died, right? And this article proves that he actually dated somebody several months after his wife passed away. But it's like, are we really going to be upset at a 72-year-old who may have slightly rewritten his story with the help of Bachelor producers to make him look, I don't know, a little shinier? Are we really going to... This is like getting upset when you clean your used car and sell it to somebody and they go, well, the exhaust sucks. You go, yeah, it's got 250,000 miles on it. I cleaned off the dashboard. You'd got to take it for what it is. Gary Turner is a car with 250,000 miles on it. He's a Toyota Camry. He runs well, but he ain't perfect, and he's got his own Carfax report. Do you know what I mean? Does this? Does any of this make sense? Point being, what did we expect? A perfect guy in his 70s? If this was the Golden Bachelor, there would be the same amount of bandwidth of history. I mean... You know, you, you get a bachelor, a normal bachelor is what, 30 years old? Let's say they've dated for 10 years, you know what I mean? So now Gary's 73 years old. So he's got, what, 50 or 60 years of his life have been spent being an adult. And that's not always going to line up with a perf- this like perfection mindset people want from The Bachelor. It's disgusting to me. And nowhere in this article did I see that they actually reached out to Gary Turner for comment. So they speak with this lady named Carolyn. That's the name they're going with. If I could summarize what Carolyn says, and I read the whole article on YouTube. I'm not going to read it now. If I could summarize, she feels 
dumb because she wasn't mentioned in Gary's story. And it's like, sorry, lady, you dated him for a year and a half. I understand. It sucks. You move for him. You feel bitter. But the show wanted to share the long-term love that he had with his wife who passed away, not your version of the story. You didn't make the cut, toots. That's what it comes down to, right? Um, so the show never asked for Gary's side. They air that Gary wasn't actually a restaurateur, that he only had one fast food burger joint that he owned from 1985 and that he actually worked as a, I guess, uh, like a mechanic uh, for a men's mental health company. Uh, and he also worked, I guess his other job was installing hot tubs. The fact that they use that against him as if he's not as, I don't know, affluent as the character they wanted to make him be. Now, other people have used this as an example of saying, well, I guess Nick Vial was right. Because if you remember, Nick's producer said that Gary actually cheated on his wife before she passed away. Well, this article doesn't mention any of that. No one's ever come through vetting that story. So for people to compare the heinous accusations against him before to this hit piece, and you know what? I say hit piece, and it's like, well, what makes a hit piece? What's the point for the hit piece? Well, the Hollywood Reporter, I guess, they want to consider themselves great investigative journalists here because the storyline doesn't add up. It's like, look, the the Bachelor's a fantasy show. The storyline doesn't always add up. If Gary lied about some of his past, it was probably because of the sort of hard recommendation from producers to stick to a storyline where his wife passed away. He's kind of like been a grandfather and a dad, and he hasn't uh, really done uh, done much else with his life since. So just because he dates somebody, just because it ends poorly, and they break up. And in the article, they talk about the fact that this lady Carolyn says Gary requested that they go. Dutch, which means they obviously like split the bill on dinners and stuff. Well, she was 14 years younger than Gary and she was an accountant. And so if the LinkedIn reports are true that he's working like as a, you know, hot tub install man, my guess is he's making 20 bucks an hour. She's coming in as an accountant in the six figure range. Good for them for splitting the bill. I just don't get it, folks. I just don't get it. I I mean, I gave a scathing response to this when I saw it. This really pissed me off. Um, Again, I'm not here defending Gary as a perfect person. I'm just saying, boy, when you at, when you talk to one ex, how how unique of a story you get. And if they're going to really pretend that this is quote unquote journalism, why aren't they going to try to get Gary said? Normally, if someone doesn't respond to an article like this, they say, well, we reached out for comment and we didn't hear back. This is rubbish, folks. Absolute rubbish. And in other news, we've got winner of Dancing with the Stars, also winner of Special Forces, Hannah Brown, talking uh, to Tyler Cameron, who uh, won season two of Special Forces. Uh, they, they they talk about the moment where Tyler realized Nick Vial would also be on Special Forces. Have a listen. Not Did you know before like you got into the course that he was going to be there? Did you like show up and you're like, what the heck? No, I, I had an idea that he was going to be on there. Um, and I was okay. like, oh, this would be interesting, you know, and, and I thought he was going to start drama, you know, cause he can, he's good for making like little side remarks and things yeah. to kind of stir things up, <laughs> but he was, I think he was just so tired and spent, he had, he had no energy to, you know, do any of that. But, you know, I, I, we were joking with Natalie the other day, uh, his, his fiance, soon to be wife. And, and, uh, we were talking about how she was like, Nick, when you go on this show, you're going to be quiet. You're going to keep your head down. You're going to be, you know, and he, that's, I mean, that's what he did. He was just like so helpful to everybody. He was there for everybody, you know, 
uh, he was a huge part of everyone's success. So did you watch my, the season one of special forces? Yeah. Okay. Um, why? By the way, the, I, I don't want to project that there's sexual tension here, but of course we know Tyler Cameron and Hannah Brown have a history. Now they're both in serious, committed relationships with others, but very interesting for them to pair up for this conversation on Hannah Brown's podcast. Is is there a reason why y'all's um, course was only two days or was like two days less than ours? Because the cold is so much more brutal than the heat. That's what they told you. That's what, that what I mean, that's just scientifically, factually proven. Okay. I will say the first few episodes, I feel like they went easy on y'all, but maybe I can also say maybe they didn't show everything. Now, it's got to be tough for Hannah's fiance, right? Because I mean, on one level, it's like, hey, how was, how was work today, honey? And then at the other, she's like, well, you know, I had uh, my ex on a podcast. But hey, what's good for the podcast is good for the family. So it's like, all right, get some tea. Here's the moment that Hannah Brown introduces Tyler. They were all smiles. And is here. Hi, Tyler. What's up? So for y'all that don't know who Tyler is, Tyler was on season 15 of The Bachelorette when I was Bachelorette. I guess we dated in some sort of way and now is on season two of Special Forces. I want to talk about Special Forces. All right. So they they just uh, just a blow right past, no pun intended. They blow right past uh, their relationship. If there's any other tea from this episode, I'll get it to you guys. And speaking of tea, I I received information that there was more court documents available, or I should say police records available, regarding the Jane Doe v. Clayton Ecker, v dave neal like you know i'm obviously sucked into my own injunction against harassment and part of my own due diligence with my reporting is to make sure i'm finding actual evidence and talking about real substantial things that exist around these court cases as we try to share it with others as you know it's it's a potential uh, faked pregnancy in the sense that uh, Clayton alleges that she's faked being pregnant and she says, no, I am pregnant. She says she sent me all this information that proves she's pregnant. All we've done is showcase that there are fraudulent uh, sonograms. You got, you guys know the whole story, right? Well, I've got a six page police report from one Jane Doe where she actually was co- you know, calling to the, I believe the domestic violence uh, unit Yes, the domestic violence unit uh, and speaking with a detective. Now, I've got the narrative that the detective wrote. I'm not going to share all of it with you guys, but it really comes down to this. Jane Doe told me again, this is in the voice of the detective, told me that she had called the Dreamy Draw court clerk, Manny Vargas, who confirmed Greg Gillespie had come into the Dreamy Draw justice court and got the documents from him. So She's alleging that Greg Gillespie, someone she has a protective order against, um, actually was the one leaking documents to the internet, and that would be a violation of um, the restraining order. She sends to the detective of the domestic violence unit a voice recording of her speaking to Manny, who was heard telling her only the plaintiff could have access to an unserved document. 
So it gets interesting when the detective of the domestic violence unit now calls Manny over the phone, and this is what he says, to determine if he knew that Greg Gillespie had come into the court to get him his paperwork. He advised me that he did not know who that was. He did not know who Jane Doe was either. After I explained the situation, he advised me that he did remember an email about the situation, but other than that, nothing was out of the ordinary. So my question is this, is it possible that Jane Doe faked uh, a conversation with uh, with this guy Manny, who works at the at the uh, courthouse, or does Manny just not remember talking to her because he talks to so many different people? Uh, the detective then says, "I looked at the documents sent to me by Jane Doe, and the documents provided screenshots and photos. Then has text underneath explaining the connection to Greg. So essentially, Jane Doe alleges that Greg Gillespie, who of course was in court with her before Clayton and before me, she alleges that he's." a member of the different subreddits Bachelor and Bachelor Nation. As a, And this is what the detective says. As of this writing, the Bachelor Nation subreddit has 56,000 members. Many of the negative comments about Jane were written on that particular subreddit. It should be noted that for an unknown amount of time, Jane herself would go to the Bachelor Nation subreddit and argue with other profiles about their thoughts on her. This could be one reason why she has so many negative comments about her. Jane posted by the name of, and then it redacts the name, Jane goes on to claim that many of these profiles were Greg posting about her with knowledge only he could know. However, many of the profiles she claims are Greg were created many years ago. Um, very fascinating stuff. So she's accusing, and by the way, if if we lived in a court of law where you didn't have to look at evidence, Greg would be arrested and face up to six years in prison. She has now alleged that Greg has violated this restraining order. She has now alleged that Clayton Eckert has violating the protective order she has against him. Again, the uh, temporary protective order she sought against me was denied on First Amendment grounds, but this is very wild stuff. The detective of the domestic violence unit then says, due to the wide range of accounts that were created from 2016 to 2023, it is unlikely they are all Greg Gillespie. My guess is when you look into the research this detective had to do regarding, you know, the multiple Reddit accounts he looked at, writing up the report, my, this is my guess. My guess is he spent at least four to six hours on this case. How many people that may need the help of a domestic violence unit detective would have had their calls go unanswered because this is the bullshit they're dealing with? So the detective ends up speaking with Greg. This is what happened. And again, I'll have this all for you tomorrow in a full YouTube video. The detective said, I spoke with Greg on the phone and asked him about the situation. Greg denied having any Reddit accounts and told me I never had a Reddit account. He also told me that he did, in fact, go to the Dreamy Draw Justice Court to have the previous order of protection against Jane for civil trial he is currently dealing with. And again, the result of that civil trial was that the charges were dropped on emotional uh, uh, uh what's it called? Uh, uh, infliction of emotional uh, or distress or whatever. Those charges were dropped against him. He told me he took photographs of the documents to prove that he had this against Jane, but never ever posted those photographs to Reddit. Greg denied having any contact with her and told me the last time he ever had contact with Jane was sometime around August 2021. Greg advised me that he had nothing to hide and would be fine answering any further questions I had. Greg went on to tell me that Jane currently has a civil lawsuit filed against him and Clayton Eckerd. Greg told me that he believed 
believes Jane is doing these things to get at him during their ongoing civil lawsuit. This concludes my involvement in the situation. I thought that I thought the detective did a really good job here. He looked at the evidence she provided. He cross-examined it with his own sort of, I don't know, journalistic. I mean, he did a better job with journalism here than the uh, freaking uh, the Hollywood Reporter, right? Uh, can we get a, a domestic violence unit to go look at the Hollywood Reporter and, uh, you know, clear up any of their inaccuracies? Uh, clearly, the integrity of the Scottsdale Police Department, at least in this case, is of a higher standard than that of the Hollywood Reporter's editorial team. That's my opinion. Don't sue me. I've got enough to deal with. Anyway, now you understand why I'm in this lawsuit, because uh, it seems to be never-ending. She continues to file the and make these accusations against these other men. I've been thrown in the mix and accused of being private Redditors and this and that. What she has a hard time believing is that other people um, are out to get her because they don't believe her story and they want justice to prevail and they want truth to surface. And the truth always does surface. And that's what we're seeing play out right now. All right, folks. Well, I had more content I didn't get to today. I guess we'll cover it all tomorrow morning on the morning episode of The Rush. In the meantime, time, go check out the YouTube and we'll be back tomorrow. Very busy day tomorrow. We're going to have a pre-show live stream and quite possibly if enough people tune in to the 7 p.m. East Coast, 4 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific uh, pre-show live stream, we'll do an after show live stream. I can't promise that because it's a late night, but um, Golden Bachelor is a two-hour finale. Then we have Bachelor in Paradise. Then we'll consider a short stream to discuss the Golden Bachelor finale. It's supposed to be a doozy, folks. We'll catch you then as always i'm dave neal and this was the afternoon rush if you enjoyed this episode please leave a five-star review on apple podcasts and if you didn't don't join the free facebook group dave neal's community got cash become a premium member at patreon.com slash dave neal link in the description below and don't forget to follow dave on instagram at d for upcoming stand-up shows see you tomorrow on the rush uh.